we are in the business of making government better with technology and helping them through a major uh, effort in modernization. We do great work across the cybersecurity realm, uh, IT services, and software development. And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed, I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Mo Joffrey. Mo is a D.C. area investor, entrepreneur, CEO of two tech companies here. And in the most recent years, he's become a mentor to other aspiring entrepreneurs across the country and around the world. Mo Joffrey, welcome to Radio Free Enterprise. Frank, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to our discussion. Me too. I'm very happy that you're here. Uh, when you and I first met, I want to say it was about 25 years ago. Um, we were both local boys here from Northern Virginia. Uh, you were managing uh, restaurants and doing a variety of other things. Uh, I was running my family's print shop. I want to ask you to sort of cast your mind back to that time, to uh, the Mo Joffrey of those days, and tell us what you were up to right then and what the future looked like to you, uh, and then maybe compare it to how the future's worked out. Yeah. Well, thank you. I had. Uh... I mean, confusion. Uh, that's all I could think of was that I was uh, just trying to move in the direction uh, I was going to go into finance. Uh, I wanted to become a stockbroker. I wanted to finish my degree. Uh, I wanted to love the restaurant business. I thought maybe I'll open up another restaurant one day. And, uh, you know, life has a way of making changes happen without you necessarily uh, wanting it to happen. And as those changes were uh, hitting me in the forehead, um, I, had, I had to adjust and adjusting and uh, I saw myself not enjoying the finance industry and not enjoying uh, the, uh, you know, trying to be a stockbroker. Uh, it was difficult. It was hard. Uh, and I found out being a, a really good stockbroker really means that you have to teach people well. And I found out that my skills were probably not so good in that area. <laughs> So I, um, I, I decided to move in a different fashion and uh, a really good mentor of mine just saw me working hard and asked me to uh, maybe take a look at this thing called uh, uh, government contracting. You know, and that's the thing, and that's exactly what my next question was gonna be is, how did you happen to go into government contracting? And let me sort of put a frame around that question. You know, restaurants, that's sort of, a, I define two general classes of business. Lifestyle business, like a restaurant or doctor, lawyer, candlestick maker, and growth businesses, uh, much like the ones that you've created going forward. And uh, even uh, people like uh, Zuckerberg, who creates a business that he wants to take to the moon. Uh, those are two yeah. really different types of businesses, even though they share a lot of similar challenges for the founder. What... I mean, did it just appeal to you more, the idea of getting into a business that had higher upside potential, or was it the working with the federal government itself? What attracted you to government contracting? What attracted me really was getting out of my own space. I, Even though I loved restaurants, I really did not want to do it anymore. 
I was 21, 22 years old, and I was hiring and firing people that were in their 40s with families. That's a very daunting task oh, when wow. you ask a 21, 22-year-old to do that. Uh, but I had a goal and I had a job to do, and um, I, I did what I had to do in those days. Um, and I really, I got tired of going home smelling like somebody else's good time. And <laughs> that, that in itself was, uh, was the motivator that, uh, that moved me to just do one simple thing. What did I have to lose? I didn't have anything to lose. I had, uh, obviously I've gained so much in my life and I've gained, uh, I've taken the knowledge of what restaurants gave me, which is that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, it gave me very strong management skills. It gave me good, very, fine, very strong financial skills. And it gave me the opportunity to uh, see that you can actually put things together to make a very positive impact. And we did a lot of uh, marketing. We did a lot of sales restaurants. We did a lot of uh, events, event management. All that really into government contracting because um, teaching people what it is that we do and how we do it uh, and encouraging them to keep doing how we do it uh, and having the right people won't lie to you is really a mastery in itself. And hmm. I believe the restaurant business and the nightclub business I was in was a great stepping stone into getting me where I needed to be. It just wouldn't have been a path that you would have architected. Yeah, I can see that. But you've also done a great job of explaining uh, the connection and how you know one step led to another. Before we go on to talk about your uh, your current businesses and and your government contracting enterprises, I want to ask you to share a little bit about your backstory prior to when you and I met. And does it sound like 1995? Does that sound about right? Or That's yeah. Actually, I think it's probably close to 1991. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, 90, yeah, 90, yeah, maybe a little bit uh, right around here. Yeah, my <laughs> the past does get like, the past does get a little fuzzy as the farther we yeah. get along. Um, yeah. But you had a very interesting uh, upbringing and backstory prior to that uh, that I think a lot of people could relate to. Could you share uh, some of that with us? Yeah, it's the uh, my you know the typical immigrant story. My father. Uh, got the ability to leave the West Bank of Israel, Palestine, uh, back in the 50s, and he started to bring bits and pieces of the family over. My brothers, my uncles, my uh, my sister and I eventually in 1970. Uh, but it was a means to an end, and the means was, at all costs, uh, get to a place where we can make a better life. And uh, life uh, in Palestine and Israel was not going to be as advantageous so, you know, in a lot of ways, you have no choice. You make a move, and where do you go? You go to the land of milk and honey. And boy, did they find milk and honey. Uh, my dad was uh, more than willing to do whatever it took. Uh, I think that was one of the main things that I inherited from him and learned from him. Uh, it just didn't matter. Uh, grew up as a Muslim, and at one point, owned a liquor store. He was trying to raise a family. He wanted to buy a house. He wanted to encourage his family and uh, his children to do better. And he was willing to do whatever it took to create that better life. And I'm a 
great product of it. That's a fantastic story. I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure that level of perseverance and work ethic that uh, you inherited and learned from your dad uh, are big success factors or have been for you going forward and even till today. So let's talk first, or you tell me, was uh, Human Touch the first government contracting company that you created? It, it was the first one that I created. Um, I had worked for another, and um, I learned a lot from them. I had great mentors. I had great people surrounding me that helped me understand how the business worked. And uh, I asked lots of questions. And, and, and I'm a, they were not afraid to let me fail. And I failed often, and I kept on failing. And uh, as uh, one of my mentors told me, he goes, when I yell at you, when I scream at you, when I pound the table at you, uh, he goes, it just didn't affect you. It was like water on a duck's back. And frankly, I didn't realize that when I was going through it. Uh, when I was going through it, it did affect me. And But I just didn't show it, and I just figured that I could keep working. Uh, and if I kept working, if I kept doing, uh, eventually, uh, one of us had to, one of us had to win. And uh, and when when I won, we all won. And I understood that there's a correlation of not just working hard, but ensuring that all ships rise. And uh, that's a that was a very uh, strong lesson in life that I hope my children take. And that all ships do rise when you do work hard. Uh, and it's uh, it's a positive moral and ethical maneuver. If I could just cut in right there, that's something that you said that I think a lot of people struggle with, but you seem to power through with, which was somebody yelling at you. And, you know, there's always that <laughs> nagging doubt. Well, maybe that guy's right. Maybe I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Maybe I, and they're going to fire me. Maybe, 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 you know, all those negative thoughts and feelings that can creep in. You, you acknowledge that you, it, it didn't just not affect you. It didn't go off your back like water off a duck. How is there any sort of like mental exercise you went through or how were you able to let that roll off your back? I was just too busy. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I've always, <laughs> I always loved sales. I was, I always loved getting my hands into things. So um, I was just too busy. I just created more volume. Uh, and it's interesting when, uh, you know, the Bible says it and uh, the other three great books, two other great books. And, uh, you know, uh, busy heart, uh, a positive mind, and uh, and my mind was just too busy to worry about what was being said and how it was being said and what I should contemplate and how to contemplate. I think we overthink, we underthink, and we're just stupid humans. Uh, but if you're busy enough, you don't have time to think about being a stupid human. You're you're busy. So I I created a world for myself that I didn't know how to not be busy. That's great. That's great advice. And I really appreciate you sharing that because that's something anybody could do. Just keep leaning in, keep moving forward. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, Human Touch, but let's talk about how you transitioned from working for somebody else to starting a company of your own and what thoughts and fears were going through your mind then. Well, it's interesting. My, uh, if you ask my mother-in-law and father-in-law, they would have uh, said something to the effect that you have a baby that's uh, arriving in less than 30 days, you're quitting your job. <laughs> Do you know what the hell you're doing? And the answer was no. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm doing it because I'm miserable 
and I don't want to be miserable anymore. And I know what I'm good at. So uh, I created a, a work stream uh, and spoke with my clients. I knew that I could perform. I've always been performing. Now I just got to do it uh, for myself and for my family. And uh, it was not a instantaneous uh, win, 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 but it was, it, it was a good struggle. It was a lot of learning. Uh, I got a, got a check in before I had a bank account for the company. Uh, it was, wow. it was lessons learned. And, uh, but it's interesting. Spending money is easy. Earning money is hard and you never forget that. And uh, I've always been uh, very positive about just doing what I have to do. That's fantastic. I love the fact that uh, I think you were citing the fact that you had received a check before you had a bank account, that there was like the cart before the horse or something. My perspective on that is here's a guy who knows how to market, uh, you know, and was focused on it. Uh, you know, you have a baby to support. Yeah, that's great. OK, so let's uh, let's talk about human touch then. Uh, when was the company founded? What do you do? Who are your customers? What problems do you solve for them? Great. Well, we're you know we're in technology, I and mean, we're in the business of making government better with technology and helping them through a major uh, effort in modernization. We do great work across the cybersecurity realm, uh, IT services, and software development. And uh, we've grown uh, to be to become a what I would call a three hundred sixty degree firm. We can assist our clients at very various means to an end, uh, whether that's managing, uh, whether that's uh, creating uh, venues and opportunities for them to utilize technology to better their uh, exposure to our citizens in the United States and to secure those citizens in the United States. Uh, so Human Touch is uh, by and all a uh, people company, and I believe that the name is a very fitting component. It's we look at the people first, we look at what the what the business is next, and we use technology to help bring those bring all three of those efforts together. That's great stuff. Now, I would I always try to put myself in the chair of the listener or the viewer, and uh, the question that would come to my mind if I were watching this is, well, you know, now uh, how many years have you been in business with Human Touch? It's been over over twenty now. Yeah. Holy it's, cow! It's That's yeah, amazing. It's a uh, we're we're in our twenty second year. I'm not counting anymore. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but, but we're we we have a lot of fun. We have uh, we have great people, um, and uh, we've we've had a fair share of fights, as they say. And uh, we're uh, we're always going to be bruised. But we're going to keep swinging. Well, the question I was going to ask that I felt came to mind was: now, twenty two years later, uh, you know, you have a lot of momentum going and so forth that flywheel is spinning uh but Correct. back in the day probably not so much what were your initial services and who were your target clients or prospects at that time so it was interesting our first set of clients were really in the telecom industry uh the likes of verizon nextel it was actually bell atlantic at the time before it's verizon mm -hmm. so uh we really cut our teeth on uh, the telecom industry, and I never really thought I wanted to leave. And then uh, in 2002, 2003, uh, the bottom dropped out of the telecom market, and we had a, this little business in government contracting, 
and uh, we had about 10 people that were working in it uh, out of about 70. And so we became a government contracting firm and hmm. we pivoted. Mm-hmm. And I look at what happens economically and what happens as we as we grow and shrink and grow and shrink. Uh, and the economy has ebbs and tides and we, you know, we we rise when the water's rising and, uh, you know, when it's time to get the, the buckets out and uh, get the water out of the ship, we do. <laughs> but, you know, 2008 was a uh, an eye opener. Uh, obviously, 9-11 was a major eye opener. Uh, I, I think major changes in congressional posture, uh, being a government contractor, uh, encouraged us to move into software. Uh, and we purchased and acquired a software development company. That's Chorus. Uh, we're building software, selling software in a commercially viable environment, uh, obviously to the federal government, and that's our main client, but um, it is a SaaS platform and it is a lot different business than what human touches. And now we're in the process of integrating artificial intelligence with another oh, wow. organization about to acquire. And we're, we're moving forward. We, we see the value uh, in the marketplace. So what year was that that you acquired Chorus? Uh, 2015. Okay, so that's five years in as well. Um, yeah. Now, you uh, mentioned uh, artificial intelligence, also SaaS. Uh, not everybody would know that's uh, software as a service. So uh, I imagine you do a lot of uh, work that involves the cloud and, and uh, the Internet and that sort of thing. And I, you've mentioned here or there, uh, relative to 9-11 and what have you, that some of your work involves security and cybersecurity. Um, how would you differentiate the offerings of Chorus from Human Touch? Human Touch is a professional services firm. We, we're the trusted advisor for our clients. Mm. Course build software. We, we will look at automation and automating a process for our clients that utilizes our software to encourage them to be better and to give them data and data points so they can make decisions. We call it an enterprise decision management platform. And mm. that's exactly what Course does. It helps our clients make very strong decisions and shows them how the decisions they make will impact their future. And when you're working with uh, organizations like the Department of Defense and they make major purchases, they utilize our software to see what happens from one standpoint to another and record it. And so they can actually measure uh, and remeasure and keep measuring the performance that they have against what Congress is willing to give them. You know, what's funny is that uh, you, you're you so precise and well-spoken and and have your message directly on target. Are you still like the uh, the top uh, marketing person in your companies or uh, what, what role do you play these days? I, wherever I'm needed. I take out the trash. I do the uh, dishes. Um, I will. I, I still have that restaurant mentality. I, I will great. do whatever it takes. Uh, I love what I do. Uh, I love the people around me, uh, and I enjoy being with my customers. I like to hear what they have to say. And uh, we've changed our marketing profiles. We've changed our sales um, strategy based upon what our clients tell us. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, they're the ones that are receiving the services that we're providing, and/or the software. 
And if we tried to do it based upon what we think, uh, that's an instantaneous loss for us. Uh, it has to be what is best for them and how do we make it even better in the future. And so we have to think ahead. We have to think alongside. And um, ultimately, they're the they're 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 our endpoint. That's great. Really great advice. Uh, even though you were being more explanatory than uh, sort of advice giving in that moment, uh, that's that's great yeah. advice for any business owner. Is listen, listen to your customer, ask them. You know, how's it going? Where are the pain points? That kind of thing. That's wonderful stuff. Speaking of uh, yeah. pain point. Uh, how have your companies been affected by the pandemic? It's interesting. I think we, um, after thinking about it and contemplating it and talking to, uh, we've seen where it's frozen a lot of people. Uh, and, I, and I look at it really much like uh, events like a 9-11, like a 2008 financial crisis. It's just a moment in time. Uh, it is, should not remove us from uh achieving our goals, moving through our goals, and uh, maybe achieving even better and higher goals. Uh, it is just something that's in the way today. Uh, we'll get through it. We wear a mask. We, we still make, you know, we have technology that helps us. Uh, we'll, we'll get through this as a nation, as, a, as an individual. And when we do get sick, we'll, we'll, give, them, we'll give people time to get better, uh, mentally, physically, and, but the goal should never change. You, uh, you keep moving forward, and that's what we're doing. And that would be my encouragement to everyone out there is uh, it's, it's really easy to let obstacles get in your way, but it shouldn't remove the goal out of your judgment or your mind. Wonderful. Just, uh, just the pearls of wisdom that you're sharing, I really appreciate. You just then, you made I me think of... <laughs> um, it finally sunk in it takes a while right with these hard heads you really got a beat on it for a while um, what you just said reminded me of a famous Winston Churchill it was attributed to Winston Churchill the quotation is when you're going through hell keep going and Yes, it sounds like that's what you and your companies are doing one of my favorite quotes actually yes, okay. I, I, do agree. I do agree and get through it fast yeah, yeah. Start running. Um, yeah. You know, Mo, uh, as I say, it's been I've been uh, watching your success journey for a long time. And when I originally thought of the idea of us getting together in an interview like this, I wanted to talk to you not so much about the pandemic. Uh, well, then it just inserted itself into every conversation. But more just in general, uh, your success journey, what you learned, the mistakes you've made, you know, the incorrect propositions or suppositions and mindsets that you started with, how you broke through. You've shared a lot of that already. Could you point to one thing that you think has been your most critical success factor or if you've got a handful of things you want to share, whatever, whatever you got? Thank you, Frank. Um, and it's very kind of you to invite me here today. And um, the one thing that has been an eye opener, I have a, I have a huge ego. Um, and admitting when I'm wrong, um, I had a one of our uh, program managers who's been with us and director has been with us for many a year, uh, came up with an idea. Uh, and that idea was poo-pooed out of me this time last year. Uh, and that was our Connect2 IT kiosk. We are now fully 
implementing that connect to IT kiosk at a major federal agency. Uh, I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars to ensure that of its success and to give that manager and his team whatever they need. In other words, I was wrong. <laughs> and I'm betting on the fact that they were right. And I put my money where my mouth is. I told them I would. We're advertising on uh, the local TV stations. And we're, you know, we've gone, uh, we've gone pretty much almost viral, which is fantastic. We're, uh, the, our Connect to IT kiosk is now being looked at by several agencies. Uh, it's, it's been a business line that I did not create. I did not do anything with. Um, I came in after the fact. And again, I was wrong. Well, and again, I'm sure your mother would be very proud to hear you say that. <laughs> and surprised. Uh, now, just real quickly, uh, the Connect to IT kiosk, what is that? So it's our latest technology where we uh, brought together the idea of what you experience at an airport, but we made it more advantageous. So uh, as agency workers go back into the federal buildings and they need IT support, IT support can't come to their desk anymore. And because of the fear and other components of work, work life. So being able to go to a kiosk, plug in your computer, have, it, have a person immediately pop up and help you through any challenges you have, or helping the wow. agencies do IT refresh. There are lockers associated with the kiosk, so they can actually, if their laptop is not working well, they'll be given a loaner right then and there. If they are supposed to be receiving a refreshed computer, meaning the next generation, they will, this helps with the inventory control because their old laptop is uh, parked and the new one is uh, uh, given to them right then and there. So now the federal workforce can actually get back to work and we're looking at expanding that across the nation with two of these agencies. So it's, uh, it's been one heck of a ride. Amazing. And, and you know, a friend of mine uh, who works for the USDA and moved to, um, I don't remember, there was a big move, Kansas or someplace in the recent past. I just saw him post on uh, Facebook how upset he was that he couldn't get in the building, he couldn't get IT support, et cetera. I had no idea that's what your kiosk does. Uh, and, you yep. know, uh, we're running short on time here, but I got to really congratulate you for listening. Well, you're going to have to give me your phone number first. <laughs> I will do that. Uh, but in any event, um, you know, there's uh, the number one mistake, in my opinion, that a poor manager makes is that they think they're always correct and they will only hire and keep people who reinforce that belief. What we used to call back yep. in the day, yes men. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I really got to hand it to you because it sounds like because you listened, because you took a chance and put your money where your mouth was, uh, it's going to really pay off for you. And uh, and I, I imagine it's got to be great for the people who work for you, too. They were heard. What their idea was was affirmed. Money was put behind it. It got rolled out. The customers love it. I mean, that kind of thing has a real energy to it. It's, uh, it, it, we're having a lot of fun, but I gotta tell you, I did, I was not that enthusiastic in the beginning. It took a little time and I'm sure they were a little disheartened. So everything has an ebb and flow. And I keep telling everyone that, you know, sometimes it's just, um, 
just wait it out. Uh, you'll be surprised how well that hockey stick line starts to move. Um, hmm. You just got to be uh, patient. And I'm one of the most impatient people in the world. So with, uh, it's well, been I'm a sure great learning experience. That's a good uh, success factor for an entrepreneur is that energy and that impatience and got to let's do go, go, go. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny you just mentioned hockey stick, and I wanted to wrap up with this. I see the uh, the hockey skates. I see the the players behind you and so forth. And I know from following you on social media that you're like the world's largest Washington Capitals fan. How did that connection start? And and have you always been a hockey fan? No, my uh, my father-in-law played while he was in college. Uh, he took my two sons. I wanted them to be like their father, wrestling and football. And before I knew it, they had hockey skates and sticks in their hands. And I became a hockey dad. Hmm. Uh, I can't skate. Um, I yell. I scream. I probably don't know the game as well as I think I do. Uh, but I have a great time and I enjoy the heck out of it. And it's one of the world's best sports ever. Uh, I've taken my entire team and uh, created a hockey family around me and uh, every chance I get and every friend I ever see if they can't spell it I'm taking them to a game and uh, and I'm gonna try to maneuver them in and, and win them over and they usually are and uh, it's really nice when uh, we've had the pleasure of meeting some great players uh, throughout the years and some really fantastic coaches uh, the Capitals organization is just bunch of wonderful people so I can't say uh, enough good things that's great and by the way today is a big day go caps <laughs> who are they playing today who are they playing today yeah well a nemesis called the Islanders uh, we got a, we're down three games to one and uh, hopefully by the by the end of today we'll be down three games to two yeah and I should have known that but uh, because the way that the season's been chopped up and everything and they oh. They rolled straight into the playoffs, isn't that right? Uh, when they reopened, so uh, they did. They did. It's a great game to so. watch live. I mean, the energy yes. is incredible. Well, before we sign off, Mo, what uh, if somebody's been watching you here and hearing what you had to share? What's the best way for somebody to uh, connect with you? Um, you know, I'm I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, I I belong to lots of great uh, associations from. Uh, Washington Exec, uh, AFSIA, uh, GBEF. Uh, these are great organizations uh, getting involved with uh, the local tech community, uh, the local government community as well. Just, I'm, I'm all over it and uh, always willing to lend a hand to any entrepreneur. Uh, mm. and, uh, I, I remember what it's like, and uh, I think most people will tell you I usually will pick up the phone. That's regardless. great. I may not may not give you what you want to hear, but uh, I'll always pick up the phone. Well, Joffrey, thank you so much for joining me today on Radio Free Enterprise. Frank, thank you, and I uh, appreciate everything, my friend, and great luck to you and your organization. Thanks again to Mo Joffrey, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Frank Felker saying, I'll see you on the radio. Forgiving your entrepreneurial sins with a gentle wave of his microphone, here's Frank Filker.